Here we go, boys. Back at it again. Oh, yeah, wave that flag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it ain't me. I ain't got no mental illness. It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no depressed one. I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, fuck, fuck. Why are we here again? Why? Again? We I feel like these are getting worse. We were well. out. <laughs> I thought Vietnam was bad. We were out. We took a break. Why did the army let us off for Halloween? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, man. It's like, you know, we've done multiple tours of duty now, but it's like every time I come back to the real world, I just... I can't, you know, it's hard to live a normal life. It's just standing in the grocery aisle, looking at all that cereal, being like, what does it all mean? It's a lot of cereal. I'm not fearing for my life at all. <laughs> yeah. This isn't right. I need to be, you know, need to go get my adrenaline fix. Yeah. Possibly get, you know, make some connections and get people killed. Yeah. You know, like shoot someone by accident. So, you know, sometimes it's just like, this is almost like, better to come back you know i'm comfortable out here yeah on the front line you know recording the show yeah sometimes you just gotta like you know break into someone's house and like you know like miss mistakenly like think it's you know the house of some kid just because some guy like dropped you off there you know yeah bad i don't know man i did like that cereal aisle bit no that's the best that was bit. Funny. yeah that was that yeah not to make fun of it that, that like the one of the best bits of the yeah, because it's sort of like that's actually great. Yeah, that's favorite. There ain't no yeah. problem here in America. It's land of yeah, million choices of of cereal. Land of the free. That's what you're fighting for, man. That guy's a piece of shit because, like, um, which I, I agree. The character or Jeremy Renner, both. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it, it's like, it. dude, he had it all, man. Like, he could have literally been walking around that grocery store I, that's all i wanted to do was walk around that fucking grocery store it's fucking yeah, huge yeah. did you that see that relief oh, i know god i love grocery stores oh, my god i wanted all of that um presented by the prince Charles cinema and the breadcrumbs collective hey you thought you had two weeks of stuff that uh was actually about the cinema but fuck you we're back on the front line <laughs> hey um, Doing another thing. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am uh, here today with my, I don't know, what are you? Bomb tech boy? What are you? Bomb boy? Bomb boy? Bomb a little defutal boy. Bomb boy, Phil. How's it going, Phil? Bomb boy? This film was really missing some, like, really good fucking, you know, almost Boston accent kind of guy just hanging around yeah, inside. Some- Yo, I needed a little bit of Matt Damon just coming out and just saying, yeah, you're, you're diffusing that wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go back. Oh. I don't care if I'm the. I'm. I don't care if I'm the the private Ryan. <laughs> I gotta stay here and fight, Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's right. He's already done a war film. Or what about Ben Affleck? He, he could have done. Probably oh, yeah, done a he's, few. He's, he's already done a war film too. He's done a few. We really yeah, should have talked about Pearl Harbor, dude. What the fuck? I, I told you. Never seen it. Don't want to. 
I told you. This was meant to be a serious arc. Yeah. A serious arc on serious earth. Apart from Forrest Gump, we <laughs> yeah, talked about like that? very, very serious war movie. That was just for us. Yeah, okay. okay. And also, real, it, real talk. Well, technically, it's the best Vietnam movie of all time. Real talk here, Phil. Uh, I sent you a, a photo uh, in the last couple of weeks because, yeah, Phil and I have been like kind of off. That's why you had that little extra bonus episode slid into your main timelines last week with a Hasu. Thank you, Will Dunn, over on Patreon, supported us and requested that special episode. You could do that too, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Um, while I'm at it, just go ahead. Finn Hill, thank you for upping your pledge to become a good bagel boss as well. Um, and he's also got a special episode coming his way, as well as our good pal Manish. I actually talked to Manish the other day who was at the cinema when I went to the Garth Marenghi event. And Manish was like, oh, have you guys watched that film yet that he's requested? Which you guys will find out about soon enough. And I was like, no, we haven't. But Manish said that he particularly picked it because he thinks you'll really like it because you're a filmmaker and it's sort of like, you know, about filmmaking and stuff. So you have that to look forward to. I'm down. So thank you, Manish. Thank you, Finn. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Will. Thank as you. Well. Thank you to all of our Patreon backers out there. Um, it's been really fun on Patreon lately. So you guys should go over there if you want some bonus episodes. <laughs> uh, it's really silly. Uh, we talk about a lot of new films. We just recorded a fun episode about Black Adam. And uh, me telling Adam. Phil about Barbarian, which was really fun. It kind of fits nicely, Black Adam, with this film this week that we're talking about. You know, because that was sort of like the opposite sure. end of the spectrum. Like, what is it like for the people who are being oppressed by these American soldiers that are coming in? <laughs> or, you know, British soldiers, whatever, ruining their fucking That's something country. I forgot. Yeah, that's something I forgot to mention. That was like actually like an interesting thing. In Black Adam, yeah. but they only like talked about it like once or twice. And I was like, but that's a movie. Mm. That's a really interesting movie yeah. of like a superhero born out of slavery, like in a like oppressed land, you know, fighting foreign oppressors. That's sick. Yeah, don't get your hopes up, ladies and gentlemen. Spoiler that, alert. That wasn't we that fucking movie, hated though. that movie. <laughs> no, no, Phil, <laughs> no, Phil didn't hate it. He, it was, you know, it's it just fine. wasn't great. You know, it could have been better. Middle of the road. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I also want to, um, I feel like I jumped all over the place. I can't remember where I was, where I was going before I got distracted by our Patreon right. stuff. Um, anyway, like we haven't been around for the last couple of weeks because, uh, oh, that's oh, the photo. Yeah. The photo. You, you sent me a photo. Oh yeah. I sent you a photo. Yeah. I did um, not appreciate that. Yeah. So there's a photo that I sent Phil. <laughs> it was very upsetting. It has to do with our, uh, Forrest Gump episode. Um, well actually it shouldn't be upsetting to you because it wasn't what you. It is upsetting. It wasn't what you. No. What did I? It wasn't what, what I you talked about. Really like Forest Company. Yeah, but you didn't like that place. No, because that wasn't it. I know, but now it's just like for sure. It's just like for Completely sure. Done. Okay, so what we're talking about is you know? Phil yeah. in the Forrest Gump episode. If you remember, I'm glad it's dead. I'm glad it didn't last long. Completely it's insulting to the memory. He 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 Dude. ran that fucking episode over with his love <laughs> of Bubba Gump Shrimp Company and the establishment that is Bubba Gump Shrimp. <laughs> Uh, much to you missed out. Much to the, missed uh, out. to the joy of Claire, who did appreciate your love for bubblegum shrimp as well. Um, but yeah, she knows. You were complaining in that episode about how it got turned into this like London shrimp shack, shrimp whatever, and grill. <laughs> whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. I walked by it the other shack. night. <laughs> Captain Geach and the shrimp shack shooters. <laughs> I walked by the other night and uh, after the Garth Marenghi event and it was like completely just like 
fucking like gut it. It was like one of those shops that we were funny mm. enough talking about the other week that one of the American candy shops scrubbed windows, completely shut down. Um, just a complete yeah, yeah. cash grab and like run situation. It looked like, so uh, yeah, it's gone, yeah. Phil. So I thought you'd be happy about it that. It's gone. It'd just be gone. Cause it wasn't what it was. It was just a shell of its former self. Right. It was, but like now, like it's definitely going to become like a candy shop. Or something, and that's like even worse. <laughs> it's like Somehow. next door to a candy shop already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. yeah. Maybe it'll become a new strip club. Um, There's a couple over there already. Need more strip clubs, right? Yeah, in that area. That's what we need more of in the West End. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. A Bubba Gump themed strip club. Yeah, bring back my Soho. You remember when Soho used to be like when I first moved over here, and it was already towards the tail end of it. It was like it was still properly seedy. You know, it was like kind of fun. Like, yeah, was, I've been hanging out there since I was a kid. So yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I, I like I like a little bit of seediness to Soho. It's kind of funny, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's still got, it's still got a bit of an edge. I still like Soho, even though I've had like too much of it in the last. <laughs> six months yeah. you know i'm glad i've had them distance away yeah. i did want to say because i don't think we've talked about it on the record yet our live show thank you for everybody who came out to the live show yeah. and if you're new welcome welcome this is what we normally do over here don't don't be confused by the last couple of talk weeks. shit <laughs> where we were talking about what was going on in the cinema um but it was a good it was a good it was a good old time yeah, I did want to I, – I had that in my notes to thank everyone who came out to our Two Spookies, One Spoof event. Yeah, hopefully we get another date before too long uh, for a second show because we sold out that one. And we feel like, you know, maybe give it a, a college try for a second one. Um, I don't know if it would actually happen. For sure. But anyway, we'll, we'll try. Could happen. Um, and – yeah, thanks to everyone who came out. I did give like a sort of half-assed thanks on the episode with Levi, but I recorded that episode before oh, okay. the event. So it kind of like it was just one of those jokey like, you know, although it hasn't happened yet. But yeah, this is a sincere <laughs> thanks. That was a very fun night. Sold out. Like it was really funny. Like what did you think of those films? Like haven't seen them like on a, a quick like little splurt through. Yeah, I mean, I kind of cheated on the first one. I, I watched Scream the night before. I skipped that one, but the other two I sat and watched with you and the rest of the crowd. Scream was great. I know what you did last summer was ridiculous. And Scare Movie was mostly still funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. The bits I didn't like, the bits that had, you know, I think really aged it badly, some just really offensive shit in there. Yeah. Um, I forgot I had blocked out. Yeah, that's weird. Particularly, Me too. You know, like, which makes sense. I was like, the bits I remembered was still funny, but everything else around it was like, eh. but it wasn't as bad as like, maybe like a dude with my car. Yeah. Which still had great moments. Yeah. But like, fuck, that was like a harder one to go back to and rewatch. Um, but it was great watching it. Especially, like, I think the highlight was, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, that really was. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> um, and the crowd was so into it and it was so stupid. It was like so bad it became good again. I don't, but I don't know if it would have been that if I'd watched it on my own. Yeah. Like the crowd laughing and getting yeah. into it. And like, also like you're like foreshadowing the joke to come. Absolutely. In scary movie. Yeah. Like the, like the bit, the, what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And it's made more ridiculous because they do it in scary movie. Yeah. As well. But it was, um, but yeah, it was fun watching them like that. Next time I'll watch them all like that. Um, I think it'll be the same thing as well. Cause I, Teen Boys in the Hood, 
I've seen Don't Be a Minute a lot. I think I've seen Minute to Society, but I just don't remember it yeah. like, at all. So I'm excited to do that. And it was fun to, you know, get up and do that in front of the crowd, even though we did not plan anything. Yeah, we didn't plan anything. We um, were just like... Uh, but it's fine. Any, anytime something bombed, I just threw out Throw some candy. candy. It's fine. And people, yeah. uh, people loved us. Yeah. I was actually pretty happy that I threw a pretty obscure reference because I was sitting in the middle. I know what you did last summer, and I just had this stupid thought in my head about like how the the killer once he like took off his fucking rain jacket thing, he just looked like fucking Jim Varney, like he looked like fucking Ernest. Yeah, <laughs> Ernest, yeah, and, like, that, that it actually killed, got yeah. a laugh. I was like, "Fuck, these people know what Ernest is." Cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, good. I was like, "Thanks, man," because like uh, maybe that's something we could do someday in the future. Because you and I are always talking about Ernest. Ernest, yeah, I'd love Ernest. I want to do Ernest name for Christmas. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, one day I was like sitting working in Paul. Like it was like one of those things where shout out Paul. I like um want to say like, oh, I would love to do some Ernest films. Like. You know, I would love to see him at the cinema, but it's the sort of thing I never would think to actually say to Paul. And then he will just like randomly like message me and be like, oh, dude, what if we did some of these films? And it was just like all the Ernest films. And I was like, yes, <laughs> me and Phil are always talking about Ernest. <laughs> like I would love, <laughs> like we don't even talk about it on the podcast. I don't think ever, because I feel like no one would know who Ernest it's is. So it's so American. Yeah, yeah. But he would. Yeah. Yeah, no, but he was huge when I was a kid. Um, yeah, it'd be worth it. I've always imagined we do it like for franchise. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like the worst franchise ever. Yeah, absolutely. Because by the end, it's like Ernest goes to Africa. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of shit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, it was a fun experience. I want to thank everybody again for coming out, and also like uh, thanks for kind of dealing with us. The last couple of weeks, we had a couple of uh, you know the Levi Levi's episode was really fun. Uh, it was fun doing that again, mm-hmm. and um, also last week just like through in the Hasu episode. Uh, I want to keep doing those for any of those good Bagel Boss episodes where people request. I'll throw them into the main timeline so you guys can hear maybe potentially. Uh, if not want to become a good big old boss, but at least come join us over at Patreon, get a little sneak peek at what kind of bonus episodes you get over there uh, and more. Cause good God, the episodes where we're talking about new films, it's just silly. So that was Ooh, really fun. We go off. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, we're back, Phil, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, but the spooky, sp- spooky, spooky season is over. It's over. It's the best time of year and it's gone. Yeah. The only relief the is that I could finally get rid of that horrible spooky snack time theme that I made when I had like that impacted ear and I couldn't hear how horrible oh, yeah. it sounded. Uh, God, and I was too yeah. lazy to change it, even though I knew it sounded bad after I got my ear cleaned up um, because fuck it. It made it more spooky. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we're now heading into what some people call the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know. But before we get there, Phil and I have some unfinished business in our war mm. arc war what is it good for hollywood movies Hollywood movies. Hollywood movies. Listen to me. Ah! 
When we last left off, we had just finished up our Vietnam section of our war arc after powering through four selections from the misunderstood war. Those being Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, the Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, and we finished it off with, uh, why not, Robert Zemeckis' Force Gump. <laughs> My God, that was all over the place, that thing. All right, so because we're getting into new wars, a little bit of history here. All right, so strap in, Phil, strap in. Oh, uh, I'm ready. As we mentioned in the kickoff to our Vietnam section, the Vietnam War ended in 1975 when the capital of South Vietnam, which was Saigon at the time, fell to the Communist North and was renamed Ho Chi Minh City. The forces of the United States and its allies, knowing the war was unwinnable, whatever that meant, what did they actually want? Who fucking knows? Withdrew, and the North and the South were united as the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. Vietnam would remain friendly with the Soviet Union and would largely be shunned by the Western nations until reforms in the 1980s where it opened up to some capitalist ideals, meaning trading and tourism grew tremendously. The economy began to expand and though it still remains a socialist nation controlled by the Communist Party of Vietnam that maintains a firm grip on politics and information, the country is largely a pretty friendly and prime tourist destination. Following the Vietnam War, other major events as we head into the modern era were the likes of uh, the Troubles. I know people over here know a lot about that over here in the UK. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you need a good war film recommendation during the Troubles, I'd highly recommend 71. That's a pretty sick movie. I saw it at the cinema. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the fuck it was. It was a very like, you know, sort of indie British movie. I saw it at the cinema randomly. It had a fucking killer soundtrack, like just score. And it was one of the most tense films I've seen in a cinema in a long time. Uh, So yeah, fucking good. Check it out. There was also, of course, the Mm -hmm. Gulf War in Iraq. We had the Mm -hmm. Bosnian War and the Kosovo War in the late 90s. And now sit back in your gaming chairs. Strap on your headsets, (laughs) grab your controllers, tuck into some Monster Energy drinks and Cheetos, and start practicing your insults to 13-year-olds. This is your call of duty. It's time we get into some modern warfare. (laughs) Just one of those days. (laughs) If you thought the Vietnam War was messy... Then the Afghanistan and the Iraqi wars are asking you to hold their proverbial beers. Following the hijacking of four, and also it's been long enough since that shit started, they probably are old enough to drink. That's fucking crazy. Following the hijacking of four (laughs) commercial airplanes on the September 11th, 2001, aka 9-11, and the subsequent attacks that saw two planes crash into the World Trade Center, one plane crashed into the Pentagon, and a fourth that landed in a field in Pennsylvania, all of which were claimed by the terrorist organization known as Al-Qaeda, the United States, led by George W. Bush, entered into one of the longest wars in American history, when America and British soldiers headed into Afghanistan to find the Al-Qaeda, notably their leader and their founder, Osama bin Laden. God, do you remember that when, like, it was all about, like, Osama jokes, and there was Osama mask, and, like... Of course. Oh, God, of course. Christ. But in order to do so, they had to topple the Taliban, a conservative and religious faction that ruled the Afghanistan area and provided sanctuary for the Al-Qaeda. This created a cycle of 
increasing and decreasing of military presence in the area over years, totally disrupting and dismantling lives for civilians. And this was going on from 2001 until 2021 and eventually ended with America pulling out and the Taliban taking back control of the country again. So what what was was the fucking point? (laughs) Meanwhile, I don't know. Why are we here? (laughs) Meanwhile, and probably what was just a revenge mission for his father not taking out Saddam Hussein in the Gulf War, in 2003, George W. Bush and his cronies like Dick Cheney and UK Prime Minister Tony Blair lied about Iraq harboring weapons of mass destruction and used it as an excuse to invade the country, eventually toppling Saddam Hussein's government, executing the dictator, and opening up the country to becoming a breeding ground of extremist organizations, notably ISIS, as well as kicking off a really nasty civil war between Islamic groups of the Shias and the Sunnis. Ah, damn. We just went over, we just went over and completely fucked that place up, yeah. didn't we? Of course, there's a lot of conspiracies that brewed out of all this mess and it continued to shape the modern state of the world as we know it. And the reason why we are here is to see how it shaped the cinema landscape as, of course, there are plenty of films that came out in this time. Notably, one film which we'll discuss today. Phil, what film is that? The Hurt Locker. Bobby Lashley with The Hurt Locker. (laughs) Welcome to Camp Victory. Oh, Camp Victory? I thought this was Camp Liberty. Oh, no, they changed that about uh, a week ago. Victory sound better. All right. So what do you got? The car has been parked illegally. The suspension is sagging. There's definitely something heavy in the trunk. Interesting. What's he doing? I'm going to die. I'm going to die comfortable. How many bombs have you disarmed? 873. That was good. Put down the phone! Brad, I'm out I can't get a shot! I was scared. Yeah? Well, everyone's a coward about something. He's a rowdy boy. He's reckless. That blast is gonna shoot straight up in that beautiful umbrella pattern. Go! Everybody get back! Go, go, go! You realize every time you suit up, it's life or death. Found something. You roll the dice. And you deal with it. Following the death of their well-respected staff sergeant in Iraq, Sergeant J.T. Stanborn, played by Anthony Mackey, and Specialist Owen Elridge, played by Brian Garrity, find their explosive ordnance disposal unit saddled with a very different team leader. 
He's got his own app. Staff Sergeant William James, <coughs> played by fucking Jeremy Renner. And in, in, <laughs> is an inveterate risk taker who seems to thrive on war. But there's no denying his gift for defusing bombs. James surprises his two subordinates, Ooh, Sanborn yeah. and Eldridge, by recklessly plunging them into deadly game of urban combat. James behaves as if he's indifferent to death. As the men struggle to control their wild new leader, the city explodes into chaos, and James's true character reveals itself in a way that will change others' lives forever. It's the 2008 Iraqi war drama and thriller directed by Catherine Bigelow and written by Kathy B. Mark Boal. Hot takes out the gate, Phil. This is wow. The first, <laughs> this is the first Catherine Bigelow film we've ever done on the podcast, which is funny because the heaviest hitter I've always wanted to talk about, and we've always had it on our list of something to do is a really fun thing. Yeah. We just still haven't done. It's one of my favorite genres of films as well. We still haven't done it. Yeah. And the first time we talk about Catherine Bigelow, it's a fucking hurt locker. Funny. <laughs> and it's actually the second time I've talked about Mark Boal. Cause if you're a Patreon subscriber, wow. uh, me and Ariane talked about his other film. Cause she's obsessed with that. Like fucking war. <laughs> what was that film called with like Ben Affleck and like, Oh, fucking everybody fucking six, three, six, something. I don't know. Wait. Yeah. Full frontal. Full frontal. <laughs> Full frontal, full gear, full frontal. Oh, some shit. Yeah, what is that shit called? It, yeah, it had like it had like everyone. Yeah. Pedro Pascal. Uh, tri- triple triple frontier. frontier. Yeah. All right. So never mind. Hot takes out the gate, Phil. Uh, fuck that movie. Hot take. The Herlocker. Hot takes. But the triple. Oh yeah. Never, never, We're back never on the thought. front here. This isn't snack time. You just got to fucking fuel. <laughs> yeah, I got the I got the I got the decaf coffee. It's not really doing that, but I'm just drinking it anyway. Hurt locker. <clears throat> well, I'm so happy to be talking about Jeremy Renner again, <laughs> and yeah. it can be someone that every you know, it's weird and people don't like, but I like him. I think he's good. Um, I think it's the first time I saw him in anything. It's weird. Yeah, like me and Dusty are watching. It's like God, he looks so young, and it's like 2008. But it's like he's already in his like fucking mid thirty, yeah. late thirties when he did this movie. Yeah, he's already. It's like he's only aged in the last old. ten years now that he's famous. Yeah, yeah. But he looks like a baby in this movie. I wanted to do this because I hadn't seen it since it came out, but I remember really liking it and it having like a really big impact on me. And like uh, when I think of like modern war movies, it's always like that one and like Jarhead, mm. and they're kind of similar in sort of spirit and tone. We, we decided we were only going to do one modern war film um, and mm. we were toying between Jarhead. I know that came up. And, and Herlocker. Yeah, and Herlocker. And I think yeah. maybe a couple other films kind of like we threw out there, but like it was between those mm. two and then the Herlocker just kind of won out because it's obviously it's a fucking best picture winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there's some good stuff around there. They're like watching this, I was like, fuck, we should do um, Three Kings. That's yeah. like a good war yeah. movie. I was about to bring that up as another war film possibility. It's like war adjacent almost as well. Mm. Like both. But sorry, Hurt Locker. Um, rewatching it, I thought it's still really good, effective movie. It only, like it's really fucking tense. And that's what yeah. I remembered most about it. And I'm glad that held up. Like I remembered it more as like a, just a series of vignettes almost like, 
like with the with him going into these bombs and then sort of becoming more and more risky and more and more dangerous. And I forgot there was the whole plot line with the kid and everything and sort of, you know, um, the other soldiers. When I think of this movie, I think of just Jeremy Renner by himself in a suit or fucking taking off the suit and like yeah. trying to defuse the bomb. And I mean, like it kind of like is bombs. that though. It's, are, it's kind of it's that. mostly like, that because it's like those are, those, it those are my really, favorite bit then it doesn't really have a story and i'm not saying that as a bad thing it's sort of like uh no i like that loose, i like when it's less yeah. plot driven yeah no but it starts to pick up a bit later and that's the bit that i didn't forget they were they were they were good though and they it was i was saying like i for, i'd forgotten a lot of it and there was more to the movie than i remembered that i appreciated yeah Especially with him coming back and that whole arc, I thought was really well done and really like subtle and done in a really small way. It wasn't like a huge part of the movie, but they got a lot covered. I think Jeremy Renner's great in this. I think it's got a really good cast. It's strange because like now all these people have been in Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, there's like three Avengers in this. <laughs> That's how I see the world now, which is really annoying. I'm like, Hawkeye, the fucking Falcon, the fucking. Evangeline Lilly is in this. Yeah, the wasp. The anti-Vacna wasp. And fucking Guy Pearce is in this as well. And he was um, the Mandarin in Iron oh, Man fuck 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah. And also this movie in general is quite reminiscent of the beginning of Iron Man, yeah. which is also a really good war movie. Mm-hmm. Just like the opening to Iron Man, it's fucking sweet. Um, I mean, the rest of the movie is, is really good. Obviously, they keep making it. Um, <laughs> but... But no, I think the Hurt Luck could is really good. It's one of the, I think one of the few best picture winners that kind of like hold up to rewatch it. And I like Catherine Bigelow, although this is and there's a few moments in this that I don't like because it's sort of I don't know if it's her personal politics, but she would go on to make Zero Dark Thirty, yeah, which is just like CIA propaganda mm. and basically telling you like the virtues of torturing and like that's how they found Bin Laden, which isn't what happened. And I I don't know that kind of stuff always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and there's moments like that in here where I'm like, I don't know what you like. Just like the, you know, the faceless like enemy. I know that's always a dangerous game in war movies where it's like, well, this is from the soldier's perspective, but you, you risk just painting these people as villains. Yeah. You don't really have um, when, when they are the one, there's no real character like yeah. on the other side, but I think that's, deliberate because you meant to be you're meant to feel isolated like they are they come yeah. into this land they don't know what they're doing if it's full of hostiles they don't speak the language like they they and and this team they literally go looking for trouble they have missions they go and defuse bombs so it's like they're going in to high targeted areas and like it's always life and death and that's really interesting i don't think the film falls into it but then moment like that and the moment where there's like the insinuation it's like like it's the bit where they cut to the guy and he's playing Gears of War and like I get it but it's just like oh fucking don't with this like video games make you violent sort of thing I was thinking that as well and it felt like a video game watching it so it's like you know the way it's shot it's sort of that like it's almost documentary style but at the same time it feels like you're in a video game so it's just like for sure. Yeah. yeah, they just need like a first person mode, like Doom yeah. style. It was sort of like an indictment on video games in a way, which was kind of funny. Yeah. I do I do like the uh, the way it's shot because there's yeah, multiple sort of styles going on there, the like close up handheld, like shaky sort of thing. Um yeah, documentary style which really works, which has sort of become the modern style for war movies, but there's also like she knows when to stop. 
just put the camera, like have a static shot. And like for the, like any scenes where it's like really important to be like hearing and seeing people, she stopped moving around, which I like. I liked all the different styles. Yeah. I think they came together well. And there was even some like, even like the slow motion stuff was cool. Like anytime the bumps go off or like the bullets dropping mm. and there's some really fucking cool moments. There's loads of sequences I forgot about. Like the whole sniper sequence is amazing. Yeah, that's a good sequence. And it reminded me of a lot, a lot of Jarhead. But yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, mm. And I just like Jeremy Renner, man. I like just seeing him <laughs> fucking around. Like, and he's perfect. It's this like cocky little asshole. Yeah. He's just like really good at his job. That's great. Um, but what did, how did you find it? It's really funny because I feel like I'll probably come off as someone who hates Jeremy Renner. And I like, I can't even remember like where it even started or why. It started on Franchise, dude. Yeah. You and Ari were talking about the app and yeah. then it just came up every episode. And yeah. it was like me being like, I like Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah. But I genuinely did have like a, a feeling of like, I don't like Jeremy Renner and I just can't even place it like why. I, I don't know, maybe he's slightly annoying in, you know, in some films. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's always... There's a really good quote I have um, later, uh, which I think is, like, kind of perfect. Perfectly... De- it's Well, it starts to perfectly describe Jeremy Renner. Actually, the whole thing is perfectly describing Renner in this film um, because it, like, is exactly how I felt about it. To be honest, I did like Jeremy Renner in this. I think it's one of his better things, mm-hmm. but... I also really oh, like sure. the film that Jeremy Renner was in before he did this film, which is uh, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, oh, you know, which is what he had no, just still haven't done. Seen it. I didn't know he would have done that. Yeah, he had just done oh, before. I, I think I really just like old Jeremy Renner. I think it's like once he, um, once he like <laughs> he became Hawkeye, beca- became Hawkeye. I was like, fuck Jeremy. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, this is the first time I've seen this film. <laughs> like, Oh really? Yeah, I don't know why. I oh, man, you to be honest, it. Um I I liked it, but at the same time it's not fun. Oh, it's a really upsetting movie and it gets really fucking dark at the good none. And that's weird because like not that many war films are actually fun, but there's like <laughs> fun elements to it, or at least me- like there's no music in there. Shh. Like, except for him, like, vibing, no, it, like, yeah. fucking, like, did it, did it, did it, and, like, you know, that's not music. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, that's, you know, <laughs> just a random scene of noise and him, like, being a fucking bro, just like, or, like, to Anthony Mackie put it pretty adequately, calling him, like, a, like, white trash redneck or something like that. It's like, yeah, that's what he was doing. Like, I felt like I knew dudes mm-hmm. like that. I, I did find it funny that it felt like an indictment on video games. And it was like the way they were trying to do that. Having said that, though, the two guys in my life that I played video games with as a child who introduced me to games like Medal of Honor and maybe like really old school, early Call of Duty did both join mm-hmm. the military. So maybe Catherine <laughs> they an overlap. Yeah, was on to something point. there. Or Mark Boal. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, yeah, she, they're, they're onto something, yeah. but it's like you don't explore it. And I just see it like the, the classic, like the, the guys being broad and they get, they fuck around and they wrestle and it's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, there's always that moment in these movies. And it's like, would they just need to, you know, like guys need to like fuck or fight? Yeah. Like that's always <laughs> the thing. But it's just like every movie, it's got that. It doesn't really go into it though. Yeah. In the video game. Sorry. 
Jeremy Renner is really good in this film, and I, I think he's really good, and I understand why he got a lot of mm. praise for this. But I feel like one person who didn't get enough praise for this was Anthony Mackie. He's tremendous in this film. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. I mean, he's so fucking good. great actor I again. Anthony Mackie. He's yeah. still good again. Got me too. Before, like, he's good at the Falcon, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like before, he got swallowed up by that machine. You forget, like, this dude was great in a lot of things. Yeah, and he's especially good in this. He had like one of my favorite moments. Toward the end, yeah, that scene where he's where in the he truck like, breaks down in yeah, the car. Yeah, he breaks down crying. It's just like talking oh, about I just want a son. That like, really I'm hit home. I, I want a son. Like it's I'm like f- fuck, I fucking dude. hate this place. Yeah, you could just That's see how, how I feel. Like, you know how he? <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I fucking hate being yeah. at war. Hate yeah. this, whatever this is. Uh, I just want to go to the supermarket. I need some Rita Puff. Yeah, Lucky Charm. Cause he fucking got a problem with. You know, he's got an anti-vaxxer wife at home, you know, a kid that I mean, it's not the weird looking kid, weird scary looking, looking kid, very weird looking baby. Yeah. Um, and he's got access to the longest aisle of cereal possible, at least with the way <laughs> Catherine Bigelow shot that scene. So what's he complaining about? We're going to go defuse the bomb. It's huh? empty, bro. You're going to go defuse the bomb, huh? 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 Oh, dude, yeah. are you sad because you can't defuse the bomb? <laughs> oh, no, my life isn't constantly in danger. Oh, no. Uh, become a cop, you freak. That's what everybody else does. Yeah, right? God, just Jesus become a cop Christ. and you can still shoot unarmed, you know, yeah. brown people. You can become a fucking. And, you know, be a father. Yeah, you can go, like, you know, defuse bombs, I'm sure. Like, you know, uh, next time there's like a serial bomber, there's probably plenty of them running around America still. You know, they'll catch the next fucking Definitely. Unabomber. I don't know, man. Yeah, it, I don't like <laughs> I don't like modern wars. It's like I think that's part of the problem with this mm. film and why it took me so long to see it is because like modern war is really depressing. There's like nothing to I think because I'm living through it and it's hard to like look back on anything of that era. Like is anything fond? Like, I mean, like there's no like we're living in an area of era of information and stuff like especially at the time of 9-11 it was really booming at that point and like internet was like as we know it today was in its infancy social media was like just about to kick off and like in the last 20 plus years we've like learned so much about like all that bullshit and it's very much like since vietnam like war has just not been like as black and white as it once was back in the day when Mm. it was easy to control that chain of information. And we were like being fed propaganda, like, you know, uh, pieces in cinemas and shit and like on TV and in newspapers and stuff like where people were totally gung ho and support the troops and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, today we're recording this on armistice day. Like people are still fucking wearing like fucking like poppies and complaining at you if you don't wear them. And I'm not British. So leave me alone. Um, But, uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's we, like, we saved you. It's okay. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like it's war is never fun. Yeah. War is never fun. But you've, de- that's a really interesting point though. It's like with modern war movies and yeah, you have like an oversaturation of coverage through the internet, through media, through TV, through everything. Like you get, you've seen so many images of these wars in real time for the yeah. last 20 years. It's the, are these war movies like they're not offering anything new? to you and they're just like 
into just like more of distressing experience because you're like yeah. seeing a more vi- vivid personal version of the events and all the film though it's like they're never black and white with the modern war yeah. movies you can't be because that's just never the situation yeah it's not much just like them like where it's like movies always in the past used to highlight something some revelation or you know just some particular aspect of the war experience that we hadn't been privy to or just hadn't been explored in thorough way. Like, you know, with Parson Glory, you had like the sort of dangers of bureaucracy and and full male jacket, you know, the sort of psychological toll on soldiers. Um, and you've you've seen all that, but like now we know exactly why and how these people were put in that position, how many documentaries have been made about it, and how fruitless sort of the mission over there is. And we know what happened when they come back. And we know how they're treated. So it's like, it's just shit you know. And it's just like being reminded of how fucked up everything is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's been a lot more movies made about the modern era of war than any other. Like, yeah. like every year there's another. Like Michael Bay made like 10 of them, you know? Like there's loads yeah. of people just shooting up in the desert. It's just, I don't... But I don't know really how much how much of that is adding to the conversation yeah. about war and you know and what is it good for. It's yeah, it's literally not like um it feels like they're not really like I don't know, hitting either like artistically, like like you know, fucking full metal jacket has a lot of moments artistically for sure. But Apocalypse Now, like holy shit, like that film, mm. regardless of like if it's bullshit or not, like you know if it's fant- really it, because it is fantastical, it's kind of fun and it's like mm-hmm. a really out of control film. Plus the whole process and everything, you know, for that film to get made, um, it, it, the whole thing is just insane. It's an insane story. But like you know, films today, like war films, I don't, I don't know. I just like all the modern ones. I guess it is a bit of like, you know, you know the story because you're living through it and stuff. So it's nothing new to you. And then like, um, I don't know, maybe Mm. 20 years from now, like, you know, someone will be like talking about a film from the modern era and stuff like and just be talking about like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I didn't know about that because I wasn't around then or I was really young or whatever Mm. it was. Um, And they look at it differently. But I also don't like artistically, I don't think they're like hitting like they used to. And like, I don't know you know you did commend the style that Catherine Bigelow chose to shoot this film but at the same time I didn't really like that and I don't really like uh handheld shaky camera films and um I don't like mm. I mean Spielberg's fucking guilty is all hell of it and I always kind of laugh when I see it in his films but it's almost his trademark style that he's the first person to really do it but like fucking lights reflecting on the lens that like drives me up the fucking wall and mm. it happens a lot in this movie yeah that sort of stuff just it takes me out of the film a lot. Like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm getting sick watching it, but I can see how some people get sick watching films with cameras. Get a lot. Yeah. Sure. It works for like a film that is a documentary and film footage. Cause you know, you're watching or that, like, found but, like footage. a film that is like mm. just using it as that cinema verite style in a way, but not really a documentary. Cause it, you're just like in this story to be honest, what it feels like. And it, it kind of made me laugh. And it made me okay with it and just 
uh, sit in it and just kind of like have to live in it. And I did enjoy the film. It was a good movie. Um, was uh, it just wasn't fun, <laughs> which I rather my film to be. A little <laughs> more fun. I, I don't think any of these modern films are fun. Jarhead was not fun at all. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, it made me think of the episode of always sunny PTSD where they're playing the mm. battle of Fallujah game and uh, Mac and, and Frank are like playing for hours and hours. And they like, they think that they're getting like PTSD from the game, but it's like just sleep deprivation. And they're all like, they just, cause they've been staying <laughs> up all night. He was like, he's like um, having nightmares and all sorts of stuff about playing the game. And it's like dad's in the game and stuff. And he like kills his dad. And it's like all sorts of like just really stupid shit. Like, great episode but it reminded me of that like so much i was just like oh dude this feels like i have a headset on and i'm walking around and i'm in this like war with these guys and it's the way you follow them around like that which i think like really works for this movie that it's like kind of makes it good but also it's not a fun time because it's like it's really grim and like you said like because there's no real characters on the other side you're just like it's a one-sided war and that's a really big problem mm. because you don't really get to, with the exception of like the kid that he's like thinks it, it's a and that's like all that's like slightly racist on his part. He sees a kid that he thinks is this kid that was like, you know, taken. He you know, guard up to yeah. be fair. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it could have been the same it's kid. All, it's all fucking messy. Um, but, yeah. you know, overall, that, like that's something I thought. Each of the errors of movie have shown, like you know, we've we've discussed like the evolution of combat yeah. through this series as well, from the trenches to the beaches to the jungle, and now we're in the desert, and what we have are people fucking putting bombs in other people, yeah. and that's the one of the most upsetting things to fucking watch in this movie. But like that again, that good thing to include in a modern war movie if we're like. If someone's following this and like, oh, you only watch these, that would just show you like a good, give you a good understanding of like how things have changed. They didn't do that in Vietnam, but they do that fucking, you know, here. Yeah. This is how it changes. This is what the, you know, people have been pushed to on, on this side. This is what this war looks yeah. like. It's yeah, ugly yeah, yeah. and it's dirty and it's bloody and it's, you know, like Vietnam as well, it's like innocent. Like kid, there's so many like kids and civilians involved because they're fighting like in towns and shit. It felt like in other wars you'd be fighting in like occupied areas, and it's like it was more rare to like run into a group of people. That's always like a weird thing that happened, like yeah. in Private Ryan that happened. It's like why is this fucking family here? And yeah, again, not fun. I think good. Th- it's a good way in. I find it more interesting than following like 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 a sniper or like someone whose the whole job is to kill people and it's like yeah. the whole thing it's just this guy who defused a bomb are you throwing shade at american sniper <laughs> a little bit i yeah. haven't seen it but like it was literally when i finished watching this on prime it was like up next american sniper and i was like nope no thank you i'm not gonna watch a movie about someone who's sad because he killed so many people just don't yeah. do that then but like how like it's a more interesting way and like, i could watch someone do that the whole movie yeah and that's most of the movie it's just jerry Moreno like trying to figure out where the wires go and like oh yeah yeah oh, it's like the bit where he picks up all five at yeah. the same time all the ieds like are connected spider bomb I'm like, like oh yeah, shit crazy. yeah and then and same thing when he's doing when he's working on the car 
And oh, yeah. just so sick. Like those those sequences are fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, like I I appreciate the style of Catherine Bigelow, like and the tension that she builds because it like it does feel like those tense moments in a film like uh, even though that film's way more silly point break but you have that tension of the heist and shit and all that like it's got a lot of tension and i think she's really good at that and uh this film has that in spades and it also doesn't really need to have because you were kind of like going on and i was like trying to think of like why i don't like these modern war films you're kind of bringing up some good points and, and stuff and it just does feel like a lot of these modern war films don't either they don't have a point other than just to be doing a fucking movie that you know it's, it's just like a fucking cash grab about like you know going into the desert because it's relevant fucking shit or they are really overly political like to a point where it's like you know there were there are quite a few of these films where it's just like dude you're really just trying to get people to like join the military like young kids to join the military to like um, you know almost like harping back on the indictment of the video games vibe you know like yeah yeah man like i don't know it's like i don't it doesn't sit right with me and i i I think there's something about like fucking movies and stuff that like um were around the time where i wasn't born yet and stuff where you can kind of get on board Mm. But still, yeah, I think all war films in a way like where you have a clear coded side of like, this is America and we're going to take out the fucking terrorist, you know, and it's just like, but you're not showing like what you're doing to this country, like really. Mm. I, I feel like this film, it blurs it a little bit. I feel like it shows a little bit, but it, it doesn't. It looks to be a bit gray. Yeah. But like, it also isn't the it film. It doesn't really that, go into too much detail. Yeah, it's not that film anyway. These guys are on a specific mm. mission they're they're not like out there hunting they do take a detour and then also he, he's like so oh, hungry yeah. to be in fucking danger that he takes them on additional detours um out into the fucking wild and gets one of his guys like fucking kidnapped and all sorts of shit but yeah it's mm. like it kind of is a bit silly and i can see why some people who maybe were like veterans and stuff don't appreciate this movie at times <laughs> the thing with war movies no i'll say one quick thing is no matter what we'll watch them and be like this is fucking horrible like why would anyone do this never want to be in this sort of position and there are people who watch it and be like fuck yeah man i want to join the army yeah no matter what the thing, like full like, jacket yeah it's like the most anti-war shit ever yeah and yet what you were saying right didn't like the fucking app like marine applicant go up after yeah, that movie I mean, came out, there was a lot of like people who were really gung ho for it. I mean, I was thinking about a guy who I, I don't yeah, knew. Don't get it. I, I was thinking about a young guy I knew from when I was like first working grocery, and it was like 2000 and 2010, I guess. You know, like you know, that's a long time ago now. You know, and um, this guy yeah. was like, he was like 16 or something, and he was talking about how he was playing like you know, one of those Call of Duty games or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. I was barely paying attention to him because I was like 21 and I didn't give a fuck what he was talking about. But he was like just so racist, man. Like just, you know, it was just like I used to have to, he was 16. So it was like, you feel like you could tell him in a way of like, you know, you're a little bit older and you're like trying to be like, dude, that's not cool. Like, you know, 
you could actually talk to him in a way of being like like an adult to try to tell someone and teach someone, Mm. but you could tell it was never going to stick. Like he was just saying like Mm. the weirdest shit, like just, uh, you know, about the characters in the game that he was killing, like the, you know, and just like saying racist shit about like, you know, Middle Eastern people and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, dude, yeah, this is the type of people who would be so gung ho, like for this shit, you know, like, and that's like the problem in America and, and I mean, Britain as well, um, where there's like this mm. horrible culture divide and it's only getting worse and worse of like really fucking racist people getting like, indoctrinated through like you know years and years of like going over into like the middle east and just you know really ravaging you know it and taking over like these areas and just making it unsustainable for anybody who was living there and trying to have a normal life and i know like it's not always been great over there and it's the same thing when people start talking about like russia and stuff like that and the soviet union and you know, communism and socialism, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, you weren't there. You don't know, like, you know, what it was like being behind the Iron Curtain, blah, blah, blah. And you can get in these, like, fucking never-ending debates about, like, if it's better one way or better the other way. But, like, certainly what America and Great Britain were and their <laughs> allies were doing, like, over in the Middle East is not fucking yeah. on. It's fucking horrible. And I think that's what makes hard watching films like this about, these subjects because i grew up during this shit and it's like i feel like i'd probably think about these vietnam films a little bit different if i grew up in that era and i saw how it was just like fucking up the world but i don't know man like you also have like i'm not taking anything away from Catherine bigelow but she wasn't trying to do anything really big and massive here she just made a good movie Mm. and obviously it won an academy award but at the same time I, you know, it's like she's not, I don't feel feel like she was out there groundbreaking, like fucking like whatever the fuck Francis Ford Coppola was doing when he was making Apocalypse Now. I still think that's like top tier of this war season, <laughs> like where you just add so yeah, but that's much happened. enjoyability out of it, even though it's a really fucking horrible situation. I don't know. Yeah. I uh, know. Had that happened? I don't like, I can't think of the modern war movie to to, to do yeah. that this was my i think something i mentioned earlier is that like well in our first episode of this world like talk about a war movie and like my main issue with war movies and that they're all kind of the same and they're not saying anything yeah. and but that's more of a modern problem and that like modern war movie i just i like fucking 1917 like who gives a shit like what is that about like what's that telling you that war is bad i know that yeah. already it's like people who just get off and seeing like young men go through shit and be like and fucking cry about it. It's like because it's awful, but it's like not something that should be like so more like in that way. That just the tone is different. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not such a heavy reverence and like in such heroic gratitude. And it's like, but it's just like they shouldn't have had to do that. British people Give really love through, talking you know, about World but, War One, though, Phil. They really love it. They really do, like, and like I like I get the it was and like I understand war. the puppies. It was, and like I don't, I I understand the puppies. Yeah, my problem behind it is like if we gave a shit about our veterans, the government should be fucking helping them. Yeah. this should be funded. <laughs> you shouldn't have people in the station begging for money, trying to raise money to help yeah. the like hero of the war. It's ridiculous. It's like, and then every all the every politician on TV wears the puppy fucking virtue thing. Oh yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, 
I don't give a shit. It's a fucking, it's a thing, it's a thing like the NHS, where it's like, it should be subsidized by the government, but has inadvertently become a fucking charity that we have to pay for. And I will gladly give it, but like, if it actually goes to them. And this is my problem. It's just like, we're, just, we're never <laughs> learning from these cycles and the violence. Yeah. Like, we, you know, it's like, never forget the great war and need all these people that fell, of course. Never Dude, forget they were nine eleven. They were going. But why do we keep letting it fucking nine eleven? They were saying never forget the day after, just so they can sell a bunch of keychains and t-shirts. Exactly, yeah. Matt. And like, but like, I but like when I went to New York, I went to where the trade center stood. That was actually like a really powering experience. Yeah. Like, I I liked being there. I've I've never been to the Holocaust Museum or like Auschwitz mm-hmm. or anything. I imagine it's the closest I've felt to that, like being at the monument, which is beautiful. It's just like this thinking fountain. Yeah. It's absolutely it's, breathtaking. It's really which, surreal being there. And also the Freedom Tower is so gigantic. It looks like it's falling on Yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and you just look up and you're, you're yeah. imagining the, the falling men. And like it's, it's quite an upsetting experience. But like, still, I I found it really profound, and it made me really emotional. I forgot I'm going with that, <laughs> but like, it's just like, but there were people there, like taking selfies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like just treating it like a, any other landmark or monument. And I was like, even Dusty said to one of the guys, "She's like that. That must drive you crazy. Like, it should be such a place of." Rem- yeah, remembrance and quiet and peace, and it just it, yeah, it's just a like mob. A place. It's another fucking place take it. to show off your stupid stories on Instagram. Again, yeah, sorry, well, I feel like we didn't learn the lessons yeah. from it. Like, if it's just a place for you to go and like dream from, like it's just yeah. I don't know. It's it's so frustrating. The whole era, um, that yeah. whole era, is frustrating in general, just because it's like a very like. I don't know. It's just like a crazy time of just misinformation anyway. And we're still dealing with it on the backside of it. And there's like really chaotic elections and stuff. And thank God, like the Republicans and Trump didn't have uh, a very, very good uh, red wave that they were promising, which was pretty funny. But I have a wait for 2024, man. Yeah. I'm eat my words when he like fucking gets elected president again. But, um, Again, we'll definitely have to bring back, uh, Red, bring back yeah. breadcrumbs if that happened. Because uh, it was born out of yeah. him, so it needs to come back if he came yeah. back. Well, I mean, we, I feel like we've talked about like the sort of a lot of we this. Went we off, went sorry. off, no, and it's we just talked about war. And I think that's sort of almost better than the stuff I've prepped for this episode. So I'll kind of like briefly go through because I, I didn't. To be honest, it's it's a weird thing. This film won the Academy Award, but this film was mm. like a very low budget movie that uh, was very independent Mm. and it was treated as such when it was released and it took a long time for it to actually build up a bit of a box office. So its final numbers are kind of misleading and in a point of that it like made 17 million in the United States and 32 million in other countries for a worldwide total of 49.2 million. And that's against a budget of $15 million. But like a lot of that success was largely due to the fact that it was a big award season contender in the late 2009 and early 2010, which meant that it got like re-releases as, you know, most of these like Academy Award winning films do. And it like made up a bit more money. But I think it was sort of like, oh, we haven't even like, 
when it won the Oscar, it hadn't even like, you know, gotten its money back domestically yet, you know? So it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't a big hit in the box office and stuff, but you know, it's one of those films that like has, like you said, it sort of remains still pretty respected and it holds up as in terms of like being a Academy award winning best picture movie. Um, first woman to win best picture as well. Catherine Bigelow, which is pretty cool uh, for a director. Um, but yeah, it's based on the experiences of Mark Boal, who's like a freelance journalist who was embedded in the American bomb squad, uh, it like with an American bomb squad in the war in Iraq for two weeks in 2004. And he had already worked with Catherine Bigelow because she had like adapted some article of his for, from Playboy into like this short lived TV series called the inside, which I think was taken over by some other people and that got changed up. So she didn't really have much to do with it, I think in the end, but, uh, so she knew him and, uh, he had this idea and stuff. And James Cameron, who, you know, was formerly married to Catherine Bigelow, convinced <laughs> yeah. her to direct the film. And uh, she originally, like, had planned on doing another project and she wasn't sure about the Herlocker, but Cameron read it and he told her, like, you need to do this film. So Boal was embedded with this squad and he had accompanied, like, its members for, like, 10 to 15 times a day to watch their task. And he kept in touch with Catherine Bigelow via email about his experiences. And he would tell the Hollywood reporter, the idea is it's the first movie about the Iraq war that purports to show the experience of the soldiers. We wanted to show you the kind of things that the soldiers go through that you don't see on CNN. And I don't mean in a censorship or conspiracy way. I just mean that the news doesn't exactly put photographers in with units that are this elite. So it's like mm. he's wanting to get in. He basically said that it's a, if you look at the history of war movies, with the exception of a couple of war movies or World War II, that were more like propaganda, swashbuckling, swashbuckling uh, jingoistic uh, stuff. Most war movies don't come out until after the war was over. So he thought it was really exciting and unique to be like coming out of the world of journalism to have this movie come out about a conflict that was still going on at the time. And it would still rage on for like another decade plus after the film mm. came on. And it's still sort of going on now, even though, mm-hmm. you know, we've just kind of left them high and dry, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, while they were working on this script, it was originally titled uh, The Something Jacket. But the expression Hurt Locker is actually a slang term for a situation involving trouble or pain, which can be traced back to the Vietnam War. According to the website for the film back in the day, the soldier vernacular in Iraq to speak of explosions as sending you to the hurt locker. So that's where it came up. Like, but funny enough, this film actually had a lawsuit, not an unoriginal script lawsuit. So I can't pull out that fucking theme song, Phil. Sorry. Oh, shit. Um, Been aging. In early March 2010, the U.S. bomb. Army bomb disposal expert Master Sergeant Jeffrey Sarver filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the Hurt Locker because he claimed that he coined the term Hurt Locker and uh, also the (laughs) phrase war is a drug that was at the very beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And he was, I guess, one of the people that Boal was around and used his likeness to create the character of William James because William James was like a composite character of all these people that he was around during his experiences there in Iraq. And he felt like he just was a bit hurt and a little bit left out and he was cheated out of financial participation. 
Sarver claimed that he originated the title of the film. However, like I said, according to the website, it's a decades old colloquialism for being injured. And they would basically say they sent him to the Hurt Locker and it dates back to the Vietnam War. Um, And in December of 2011, an issue of The Hollywood Reporter announced that it was uh, thrown out and Sarver's lawsuit was just completely just, yeah, done. And the federal judge ordered him to pay more than $180,000 in attorney fees. Oh, oh shit. That blew up. Pretty shitty. But yeah, I mean, a big thing with this film was that like Catherine Bigelow wanted to cast largely unknowns. And that's kind of funny to think now because Jeremy Renner and Anthony Mackie and like, you know, I guess like the extra cast is sort of like filling out the, like literally, you know, all the big names. Guy Pierce, he's the, one of the first piece, persons you see in this film, dies <laughs> pretty early on. If this film pulled a psycho twice. Yeah, you get Ray Fiennes, like they they yeah. pop up with this whole halfway through whole thing like this big experience with these british soldiers that they run across who have a flat tire and stuff and you think oh ray fines is going to be a part of this film like i thought he was in it more than he was and he just gets popped immediately and dies and i was sort of like <laughs> oh well surely he's not really dead i mean ray fines is in this film right like and he's not nah, he's dead he's dead but that, that scene is fucking, fucking great yeah. that you, like you were saying, the sniper scene whole is really scene good. With the juice box um, again. Yeah. Snack movie. time. <laughs> it's Russian time. It's Russian time. It's Russian time. Russian time. It's Russian time. It's Russian time. It's Russian time. Oh man, that's good. Oh, ration time, dude. Ration time. Uh, I'm running through this a little bit different than uh, I have it laid out. And I, yeah, whatever. We'll just jump into rations because I feel like we've talked about it enough. We can kind of. Yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll go for, finish up my bits, but I'll go. I'll go first. Yeah, what do you my, got? Mine's not very good. Um, I was like, this is a hard one for snack time. I should have got a capuchin. I didn't. What I got was what Jeremy Renner constantly drinking. What everybody's constantly drinking in the movie because you can't, you wouldn't dare drink the tap water in Iraq. So I have a bottle of water. A bottle of water. I have. I have bottled <laughs> water specifically. Highland Spring, still spring yeah. water, naturally from Scotland, Oak Hill Hills. I, I feel like if Phil, if, if Phil and I were having like uh, a fake... Let's not do this. Uh, this is the pretty yeah, good... Is it, this not what they drink in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I mean, if you and I were having like, you know, a fake sort of tussle that I was writing into the podcast for over a year or maybe six months or something like that, that would ultimately like end up in a like a big explosion of an episode called This is the End that no one actually seemed to really care about, then maybe I'd be a little bit more upset by your lack of creativity. But um, <laughs> Well, that's good. You're not doing that, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool because I'm not doing that, you know, so it's okay. <laughs> how many, um, ooh, how many strips of C4 are you like strapping to a little boy's uh, 
body that you quickly take off because you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's good, solid. I mean, it's just, you know, it's um, water, you know? Um, put it in the fridge for a while or before this, so it's cold, yeah. which is good, which is usually better. And there are some people yeah. out there who don't like water. Which is strange. Oh, like they don't like the taste. You don't like, like doesn't life? have a taste. You don't. You're made yeah. of water. Um, give it I mean, a four. Fuck Avatar, but at least it knows that life is the water, way of right? water, so, bro. Can't wait for that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> four. It's still not happening. Four. Triple three. Four. It's gonna get pulled. It ca- it's, it's coming out. I had a date. Out. It's three hours long, and we have to talk about it. I bet it's and I don't appreciate that. You. I hope it does. That'd be All right. Thing. So you said three, three four. out, three out four. of five, four, three out of four, three, three, four stars, four C4s, four C4 strips. Okay. Well, four, you said you wish you had four. a Capri Sun. Yeah. And uh, good thing I do Capri Sun. I found this in my ration box. I've um, that's actually really good. Careful with the it's pretty good with the straw. It's got a, it's it's a paper straw, which is totally yep. you know fucking woke ass like cancel culture here <laughs> wokey son it's a uh, it's <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna be good or not though because it says nothing artificial oh no no added sugar dodgy so uh and it's orange flavored so we'll see i don't know this this might be like you know good it might be the best thing i've had out of my ration box or it might be you know we'll a very you got the drawing. You got the you got the drawing yeah. of the hard bit. So. Oh, dude, it's really it's not bad, but yeah, it has like very little flavor. <laughs> it kind of tastes like water with like one of those like powder of uh, oh, like the vitamin C like, tablet. Yeah. yeah, 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 but not even that intense. I don't know. You know, yeah. like I do like Capricorn, but That's I've okay, got though. I've gone off it in recent years because did you ever see like the people who find mold in their pouches of Capricorn? No <laughs> shit, dude. Sorry, Jesus. there's this like thing that you happens. always do this to me. You start talking <laughs> about like oh, I have a fucking like shitty burger that like really made my stomach hurt, and you're like oh yeah yeah, there was like fucking rats in them once or something. <laughs> I don't know, but this is Rat the thing. Burger. This is the thing. Like, like they can have like tiny puncture wounds, and then shit can grow in them. And it's fuck. Honestly, just Google Capuchin mold. It's fucking disgusting. And I think I saw too many of those stories in a row that I'm like, I yeah. can't have them for a while. But they are delish. And is that the best? It used thing? to taste so much more delicious as a as a kid. Yeah, but when it's all, packed obviously with sugar. this one's no sugar. Yeah, this one's no sugar added. <laughs> you can tell this is like this is modern era. Like, uh, you know, post sugar tax, brick, Britain, post, 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 <laughs> post 9 11, Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. We never recovered. Um, how many? <sighs> I always think of a dark one first, and I have to, I have to think of something else. Um, how many? Just say it. Just no, say it. No, no, no. You how already many... made me do. F- like baby dicks. Come on, man. No, how many like, you know, bootleg DVDs do you give it? <laughs> Shaky uh, out of focus, you know, DVDs. Yeah, it's gotta be two dog. 
<laughs> two um, for me, two, dog. <laughs> gotta be two for me, dog. Uh, two. Wow. Two the water DVDs would double one of them. the quality of Capri. <laughs> the thing is, it's not bad. It's not one of the worst things I've had. It just kind of has no flavor. It doesn't really taste like orange either. Like so Black I don't Adam. Really get why saying nothing <laughs> artificial? Because like orange, ju- like juice from an orange. Artificial, bro. For the most part, tastes more flavorful than this. Um, unless if it's one of those like really shitty oranges that just has no flavor. Mm. Was it like one of those Jaffa oranges or something in that bag? <laughs> like these are for kids and they have like no flavor at all. Because uh, we hate our children. We do hate our children. We, we, that's we why we send them children. to war. We give them, yeah, we give them flavorless fucking Capri Sun. We fucking hi- hype them up with their fucking Call of Duty games and then we pack them up and send them off to war to fight our fucking battles. We just, figured, we just figured out more, man. We just figured out society. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, fun cast for this film. Obviously, Jeremy Renner, we've already said. I mean, he was cast because he was back off of like, it was, you know, like I said, he had just done Assassination of Jesse James, which hadn't really come out, I guess, at the point where this film was about to get made. Yeah. Um, He's great in that, but he was chosen because of his performance as Dahmer in 2002's Dahmer. Oh, he did uh, a Dahmer, Dahmer movie. Yeah, which is before uh, it was called. Kind of a weird movie, but it's okay. And it's weird, like yeah. So if you were interested in the Dahmer series, I think Phil and I maybe talked about it a little bit. I think you talked about it. You, you mentioned on Patreon. You mentioned that you started it. Yeah, um, but yeah, there is a 2002 version. Like, well, not version. It's a, a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer um, that I think maybe handles some of the situations a little bit better than this one. Um, but Ooh. to be honest, you know, there was one back in the day, I think in the early 90s, that I was hearing about that apparently actually handled, funny enough, in the 90s better than any of the fucking Dahmer shit that's ever been made since, which is hilarious. <laughs> like a really bad movie in the 90s. Uh, yeah, so he'd done Dahmer and like, you know, so he, he's pretty fresh, man. It's weird to think this is like him and Anthony Mackie or two, two big stars in one of the biggest franchises is like really early in their career and also career making performances. Like oh, for sure. point, Anthony Mackie had only really done like, well, Eight he'd mile. done quite a few things, but he was known for yeah. Eight Mile. And then he yeah. was like, he, to be honest, He's a really underrated actor. He's done a million movies. He's always working. You like look at his mm. filmography. It's just like he's he does like four or five films a year. Uh, and he's done a lot of good stuff as well. I feel it's funny. And he's in like uh, Black Mirror, like not too long ago as well. And there's a really yeah. good performance in that. I mean, he's one of the few as well that like continued to do interesting shit outside the Marvel movie. Like yeah. Jeremy Renner's done that as well. Like, I think one of my favorite Jeremy Renner things is um, just after this, actually, at the town, which mm. is great, yeah. great movie, under underrated yeah. Affleck movie. I came out uh, before Argo. And I really like Argo. I think I like the town more. I, think I really like him in yeah. that. Um, and Jeremy Renner's done some good stuff. He's like, he in, I mean, I didn't like American Hustle, but he, in that, he done other things. And anti making like that as well, because he popped up in like, like Pain and Gain, that was really yeah. good. Um, the night before, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah the like, night before, yeah. Like he's like so you good. Said, I like Anthony Maggie. He, he's great. Like you said, he's just always, yeah, always around. 
Um, yeah. And it's always like dependable, but like you forget, he's like a Michael Pena type. And I only say that because this movie really wanted me, to, really made me want to rewatch End of Watch, which is another, it's actually a really good movie. It's sort of found footage stuff, so it kind of reminds me of this. But like a dude who's like, I guess more no, noted for like lighthearted performances, mm. but like is a really fucking good serious actor when you like, when given the material. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's he's great in this. Yeah, that's funny because I was talking about Michael Pena in that episode where where I went off on um that space movie or whatever. With a oh, where he he played he like plays the wrong like character. Straight, like yeah, he plays the completely wrong character. But it's funny, like you know, you're talking about a film where he's actually playing a normal person. That's not the funny man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like Michael Pena as well. But he's not yeah. in this film. Um, <laughs> Brian, Brian Garrity is uh, like someone who I don't know but he was really good in this film and I was going to call the snack time at that point because he was just so funny he's like you know, <laughs> yeah, just having his good. little fucking Capri son just like having to clean the blood yeah. yeah, he's like someone who could be in like literally any war movie Does that makes mm. sense yeah he I mean he face. plays the he plays this sort of character you almost feel like you need in a war film. It's the one person that's out of their fucking element, but it's kind of like everybody, any normal sane person that would go to war who just like, dude, this is not cool. Like mm. there's three types of people in a war film. There's the fucking crazy <laughs> psycho man who fucking gets off on it. There's the guy who's actually kind of cool. So he kind of can get through things, you know, and that's a, mm like a real type of person, someone who can like be level headed like Anthony Mackie. And then there's like the fucking person who just shouldn't be there. Who's there. Like, you know, like the guy in Private Ryan. Yeah. 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 Who's just like, fuck this. Like this well, is also too much. the, also the, um, the Colonel, the Colonel. Oh yeah. The guy who like comes with him on a mission. Yeah. The just, fucking doctor. Oh, Christian Camargo. Idiot. Yeah. What an yeah. idiot. Um, yeah. And then you, you get, fucking david Not morris here. david this. morris like just i thought he was joking like you know the scene where david morris comes up and he's like um he's like oh you're the guy who you know like diffused that bomb right you're like you're a hot shot you're a big shit yeah, i you think he was, he was gonna like fucking dress him down and like yeah. you know, or something but yeah he was he's actually like, goddamn i was like i was so confused yeah yeah and then we've mentioned ray fines and then of course uh yeah the third avenger in this film evangeline lily who plays uh connie james who is uh the the wife of jeremy renner's character at back at home which was that was kind of funny seeing her um yeah yeah i mean (laughs) the big the big thing about this film is that like it was it actually was just kind of like filmed in the middle east with like during the war going on like um I think she really wanted to film it in Iraq, but they were like, dude, we can't like, it's an active, it's not safe. Yeah. It's not safe. (laughs) Not safe here. So filming began in July of 2007 in Kuwait and Jordan. Uh, The filmmakers had scouted areas for like in Morocco as well. But Bigelow felt that the cities didn't really resemble Baghdad. In addition, she wanted to get as close to the war zone as possible. So some of the locations were less than three miles from the Iraqi border. And Catherine Bigelow <sighs> even used Iraqi refugees as roles and ex- like as extras, like in some of the roles as well. 
But like the big thing was like because they're there, they're in the middle of the summer. Temperatures were averaging around 120 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 49 degrees Celsius over the 44 days that they were there shooting. And they didn't have any like normal Hollywood perks. Nobody had air conditioned trailers or private bathrooms or anything. Jeremy Renner said there was like great care was taken to ensure the film's authenticity. And he said shooting the film in the Middle East contributed to this. And there were two by fours with nails dropping down from two story buildings that hit me on the helmet. They were throwing rocks. Uh, We got shot at a few times while we were filming. And he says, when you see it, you're going to feel like you've been to war. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. During filming, four handheld super 16 millimeter cameras were used to film the scenes in documentary style. Editors Chris Ennis and Bob Murawski were tasked to piece over 200 hours of footage, an eye-popping 100 to 1 shooting ratio, which is higher than the a higher ratio of expended film than like Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, which is pretty crazy. But adding to the editing challenge was that, like we've kind of mentioned, there's not really much of a traditional story here. Like Boal's screenplay had a non-traditional asymmetrical episodic structure there was no like villain the tension was derived from the characters internal conflicts and the suspense from the explosives and snipers chris ennis said that the movie is kind of like a horror film where you're unable to see the killer you know the bomb could go off at any minute but you never know just when it's going to happen so the ideas of alfred hitchcock making your audience anxious were influential for us when we did the editing and that editing Mm -hmm. process took eight out uh, sorry eight months to complete eight hours that was crazy you did that eight hours (laughs) eight hours how the fuck eight months um yeah like it really is that sort of tense horror film vibe like julia and i when we were watching it you do have that tense like you just don't know what's going to happen like any moment especially after the first you know big scene of the film where guy pierce just gets blown up you're just you know ready for anything like no one's yeah like what now yeah yeah um, well, the Hurt Locker would premiere in Venice in 2008. It received a 10-minute stand, standing ovation, and it would go on to be a hit for the rest of the festival circuit. But it wouldn't be released in the U.S. until June of 2009 to a pretty limited release, and it eventually expanded wider in July. But because it was released in 2009, even though it was a 2008 film, and it was released late in 2009 after the uh, award season area, it, like, was eligible for the Oscar in 2010, which is fucking crazy. So I had this like long span. Um, but like I said, it, it grossed $49.2 million worldwide on a budget of $15 million uh, overall. And Catherine Bigelow became the first woman to win an Academy Award, the BAFTA and the DGA Award, the Directors Guild of America Award for Best Director with this film. And she was also the first woman to have her film win a Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Critics praised Jeremy Renner's performance with Richard Corliss. This is the uh, quote I was talking about of time, and I think he perfectly nails maybe why I sometimes don't like Jeremy Renner. Uh, He says, he's ordinary, pudgy face, quiet, and at first seems to lack the scream charisma to carry the film. (laughs) That susposition vanishes in a few minutes as... Renner slowly reveals the strength, confidence, and unpredictability of a young Russell Crowe. The merging of an actor and character uh, is one of the big things to love about this movie. It's creepy. It's a creepy marvel to watch James in action. 
He has the cool aplomb, analytical acumen, and attention to detail of a great athlete or master psychopath. Maybe both. Uh, I think that's a really <laughs> good quote to like because it starts off. That's how I normally see Jeremy Renner. It's just like some. I just don't like his face. I don't know what it is. But he actually is a good actor when he's not mm-hmm. phoning it in or something or doing a really stupid role. Because like you mentioned, the town, he's great in that. I saw that randomly. And it's right up my street being a heist movie and stuff. Um, Boston. Not one of the best heist movies I've ever seen, but it's a good film. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. uh, Yeah. That hits. This movie plays to the strength. Yeah. That you kind of, there's something off about Jeremy right now. Yeah. Because that's how the whole thing is that he's like, you you do like him. He's a charming character. You get swept up and you want to be with him. You want to be as cool as him and shit. Beach three. Yeah, you realize the whole thing is like a start for mental illness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which is probably like, you know, listeners of the podcast, like, you know, they think we're cool guys and stuff, but like, yeah, this it's a whole deep like, down you know, emotional trainer. Deep down, what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's Mad, with these fucking guys? Crazy depressed and anxious. The funny thing is that like uh, there was a lot of people who were like really commending the film because it didn't criticize the war itself, but you know, it more so took on how it affects the men who take great pleasure in war and stuff. But then mm. there was like a lot of people who thought it was very pro U S army propaganda. So it's like sort of playing both sides, but there was a lot of Iraqi veterans who did not like this film. Uh, so it was criticized by like veterans and also embedded reporters who actually were out there, which is funny because it was written by a guy who was embedded, but at the same time, mm. there's other embedded reporters who were basically like, this isn't accurate at all. Uh, writing for Huffington Post, Iraq veteran Kate Holt said that the Hurt Locker is Hollywood's version of the Iraq War and the soldiers who fight it in their version is inaccurate. She described the film as better than a lot of recent war movies that have been released, but expressed concerns that several eras, among them wrong uniforms, lack of radio communication or misbehavior to, of the soldiers would alienate service members from enjoying the film. Author Brandon Friedman, who is also a combat veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan, shared a similar view in Vet Voice. He said the Hurt Locker is a high-tension, well-made action movie that will certainly keep most viewers on the edge of their seats. But if you know anything about the Army or about operations of life in Iraq, you'll be so distracted by the nonsensical sequences and plot twists that it will ruin the movie for you. It certainly did for me. Freeman criticized the inaccuracy of the film's representation of combat, saying that in real life, EOD techs don't conduct dangerous missions as autonomous three-man teams without communications gear. Another thing you rarely hear in combat is an (laughs) EOD E7 suggesting that two or or three of his guys, that they leave the scene of an explosion in an Iraqi city by saying, come on, let's split up. We can cover more ground that way. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. Which it is a very stupid thing to do, but that guy's clearly lost his mind. That's the, yeah, it's the only bit of the movie. It's like, it doesn't take me out like you need it in terms of like the arc and stuff, the character progression, but like it's the more hollow, Hollywoody moment when it, you know, suddenly has like a story to tell and has to break some of its, you know, realism and rules, it's rules to get yeah. there. But it's strongest yes. when it's adhe- adhering to them, which is like those sequences. Maybe they're not using the radio properly. I don't know. Yeah, like him just saying, like I said before, him just trying to fucking defuse a bomb is enough for me. Yeah. That's like keeps me on the edge of my feet. And I think 
totally like you yeah totally works you, you could have had that same sort of like ending of the film if it was just maybe like one more mission that they had to do and shit just kind of went wrong on the mission you know like mm. you know not like one of them gets kidnapped but like you know maybe one of they start getting shot at again or something yeah, you, know, yeah. you could have had like some proper thing happen or something without it turning into this whole like oh it's like you know a mission to go like like a weird revenge mission yeah 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 like it's fucking and he weird the, ending. when he goes down on his own i was like oh, that's the that's the main boat i'm like you would never do this you just you stand yeah. out like but you're the only white dude in a hoodie and yeah. fucking <laughs> yeah. you know and like and like and cargo pants like army gear and it's just like yeah can, someone could fucking kill you what's wrong with you and it's just but that's the yeah. whole point he's acting incredibly rationally and it's so the whole thing is weird it's treated weird yeah. as well when he goes to the yeah, guy's yeah. house and it's just like just a normal guy's house but like you're kind of with him as well like you're suspicious of this guy this guy's like way too friendly to him and stuff and and it's like this this whole thing is like is it a trap or it's like that would that's enough to drive you crazy so it does a good job of putting you in that soldier's mentality of like you don't know who's friendly who's not is someone really on their phone or are they triggering a bomb activating yeah. a bomb yeah, yeah and like that's the paranoia that sort of for me through the movie and i think that it's the next you know it's part of that and but it's already there it's just like they're already doing it yeah. in the movie. You don't you don't have to take the extra yeah you don't need unreal, to take the unrealistic steps, step. Yeah. When I get it, yeah. I get it, and like I yeah. t- and like the arc is complete with him coming back. Like I really like that. Like it's it's really fucking depressing. Like with the number just resetting, you know, yeah. like the Bravo <laughs> yeah. team yeah. days left on rotation. And it's just like, dude, go home. And like, and then you also get there, and you're like, shit, how many times has he done this? Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, yeah, you just this is just one it. of many tours, and that, yeah, you know, his wife doesn't even discuss it. She knows what the deal is. Yeah, all of his like collecting of the little memorabilia from each bomb and stuff as mm. well. It's just, like fucking weird. Um, yeah, I think it's like it. I think one of the funniest things and like most depressing things is at the very end of the film where Anthony Mackie has this sort of breakdown, and then like they meet up at the helicopter with Eldridge who's like being flown off because he got shot and he's uh by he got shot by mm. uh Jeremy Renner's character James and he should be grateful tell him home. <laughs> yeah he he gets he gets to go home and stuff but they have this whole thing where he's like yeah like oh you'll be all right you'll be walking and he's like six no months six months if I'm lucky and then he just goes off and he's like fuck you fuck you, you ruined my life, like, fuck you, like, you know, this is a game to you, and blah, 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 yeah. whatever he says, it. and it's like, he just dresses down. die because you needed your fix. Yeah, yeah, just completely dresses down Jeremy Renner, and then and he then, turns yeah, to Mackie. Anthony Mackie, and just like, man, I love you, man, like, you know, get home, get safe, home safe, like, just a couple yeah. of days, like, you know, like, I'll see you on the other side, and it's just like, it's so sweet, and it's a complete, like, I do different that, relationship yeah. that they had, like, this is like, that was brotherhood and then like this is like you fucking psycho you like well james the outsider yeah you know like yeah oh yeah but um that's it it's a bummer it's a a good movie movie. it's a really good movie it's one i think it's like 
go watch it like just could like especially Oscar movies they get lost in time people don't a lot of them don't live up not even to the hype but don't they tend not to age well you watch them once and don't think about them again but I like that stand up they're yeah. one of the better modern era war movies and tend to shit what won best picture this past year I don't even remember the, like I'm the, thinking of Parasite, the, but Parasite was great, and that was the year before, or the year before the, that. I don't even know. The deaf one. Co- what the name? Coda? No, that was Godfather. Oh, Coda. Coda. <laughs> it was Coda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't see no it. No wonder. No nah, wonder. Right? Like this was this was an era where yeah. this was this was more an era where like I was watching everything. Yeah, could really get into film and like, yeah, and like, so I'd watch all the Oscar movies. I get more on DVD and I actually have an opinion. Now it's like I watch one or two and I'm like, this is all bullshit. It's all fucking shit. It's not as Um, good anymore. Like back in 2007, 2008, 2009, that was a fucking hot period. Even in 2010, hot period of film. I mean, I would say as well, the last one is a few years later. Like, I think. This would be a good conversation. We don't have to have it now. But like, you know, like best and worst best picture winners. But like, yeah. I think my favorite best picture winner in just, I think it's the one I've seen the most time. It's Argo. Argo. I fucking love Argo. For some reason, Argo yeah. just like works for me every time. Like it's just as intense the first time I saw it. Like it now. But there's not many. It's relevant to talk about because it's a war. It's sort of war adjacent film. In a it's way. war adjacent. I mean, it's yeah. About war. Yeah. But that's that. It's a it's a it's a hard one. But the hard luck is one that um, holds up, and it's nice to go to go back in time. Mm-hmm. With these people with these like really high profile people, but like in this kind of little indie movie, but that that did really blow up. So it doesn't feel like an indie movie. It's kind yeah. of strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Phil. Um, we're pretty much done. Our t- our tour of duty is it's coming to an end. Done. It's coming to an end. Finally, as much as we tried to keep pushing it away, I can't do it anymore. You know? I just, yeah. I fucking hate this place. Well, Phil, you don't have to worry about this place anymore because next week we are going to finish off. War, what is it good for? Hollywood movies, as we catch a glimpse of maybe what the future of war could be. Maybe, you know, if we. Technically, it's set in the past. You know, but if on. we and us collectively, as we, the human mm. race, don't kill ourselves or fall victim to disastrous climate change first, Phil and I are going to be talking about what movie next week. Wait, I was gonna. No, that's Star Wars. No, that's Superman. Wait, cut that out. Cut that all out. We are doing Star Wars. We are doing Star Wars. I was gonna sing it, but I ended up singing Superman. I was singing Superman, but then I said Star Wars. We're doing. We're finally doing it. Finishing off the prequel trilogy. We're gonna do the only good prequel. Revenge of the Sith. And I'm so excited. And I'm excited for you to watch it. It's happening. Again. I've again. seen it before. It's de- again. <laughs> I feel like this is one we'll actually agree on for once. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's finally happening. And then we won't talk about Star Wars for a while, maybe. 
Yeah. Although you should yeah. watch Andor. If you're listening to this, watch Andor. It's fucking great. Yeah. Sorry. I do. You told me that off air, and I do, which I feel like maybe I'll maybe I'll start watching it or something next, like to go into next week. I don't know. We'll see. After kicking off the uh, era Prequels. of Star Wars franchise, the prequels back on May the fourth of two thousand twenty-two, we're finally finishing them up with Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. So, Only like Phil said, months. I can't believe, yeah, that was all the way back in May the 4th of 2022. And uh, yeah, like you said, we're probably not going to be talking about another Star Wars related thing until uh, probably around May the 4th of 2023. And I don't know if we'll do we'll much see, maybe else we'll do a that year. joking one. Yeah. It might be a while before we talk about more Star Wars. Strap in, uh, get your lightsabers ready. Because that's the last time you're going to hear about lightsabers and uh, how much I hate Star Wars. Um, Have we not done a lifesaver at the snack time? Because that makes no sense. Because it sounds like lightsaber. But none, swimming pools. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, lightsaber. It's like a, it's a little floaty. I got you. But I'm thinking of like, isn't that the name of like the candy? It is. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. You just fucking. But I'm also, I'm also, uh, you know, not stopping you from doing that next week. So you know. Okay. You know. All right. What? You enjoying those? You enjoying? I I fucking. All right. (laughs) Fucking well. Enjoy those nuts. I mean, it's almonds. So you did get more for your ration. Almonds. It's almond almonds. Almond gay. I'm gay. Never forget. <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.